0: Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith.
1: In the world, the bottom line is success, accomplishment. No matter how you got there, no matter who you stepped on to get there, no matter how maybe you lied or did the wrong things, all we want to know is what's the persona. Not so, not so with God. God has a different rule for measuring our lives.
0: God has a different rule for measuring our lives. It's the life of Jesus. In today's message, Pastor Ed brings our attention to the many Hall of Fame facilities scattered around our country. They're filled with men and women who've achieved the highest level of success within their careers. As believers, we won't be measured by the standards of the Hall of Famers. We'll be measured by how well our lives reflected Christ, His mindset, His attitude, His life. What about you? Are you a candidate for God's Hall of Fame? Well, let's join Pastor Ed in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verse 25, with his continuing study entitled, Being People of Honor.
1: Jesus says, whoever does God's will is my brother and sister, and mother. He began a new family, the family of God. And so people who live for Christ, who walk with Christ, who have sold their life out for the kingdom of God, there's a connection that we have. Get connected with the body of Christ. Look at those around you, not just as congregants that attend faith assembly, but as brothers and sisters in the Lord. I think it's good to use that term, brother, sister. It's a biblical term. And he gives him this title, brother. He is a fellow believer. Uh, He calls him also a fellow worker, this person of honor. But I think it necessary to send back Ephrathus, my brother, fellow worker. Notice, fellow worker. Paul lifts him up to an elevated position. Here this man comes as a messenger with a message from the church of Philippi. He comes with some resources financially to give Paul to help pay for the rent and the cost of that house that he was in. And Paul, the apostle, says he's a fellow worker. It's like a carpenter who's skilled saying to his workers... They're co-workers with me. It's like a pianist who's a master pianist looking to the piano tuner and says, boy, we're in the same business. They're, uh, they're a, you know, a pianist as well. He, he lifts people around him up. There are some people you come into their presence and they lift you up. Uh, Paul the Apostle wasn't hogging center stage. He brought people alongside of him to work with him and he lifted them up and they were involved in the ministry and he says, here is my fellow worker. I remember a friend telling me how his mother... Was raised up in a very difficult home and she carried into her home, her family, those difficulties. Uh, She was always put down by her parents and she wound up putting down her children. When her children attempted to help her around the house, maybe paint, maybe fix something, maybe do something in the garden, she would put them down and say, Oh, you can't do that, don't bother. We ought to be the type of people that lift other people up to help them in the work of the Lord. Here, Paul was an apostle who had incredible revelation from God, and yet he's lifting others up to serve in the church. The work that you give and the work that you do in the church is more than a job. It's a calling. In fact, someone illustrated that by uh, this... What they wrote, and I'd like to read it to you. In a job, you expect to receive. In a ministry, you expect to give. A job is your choice. A ministry is Christ's call. In a job, giving something to get something. In a ministry, you return something that has already been given to you. A job depends on your abilities. A ministry. Depends on your availability to God. A job done well brings you praise. A ministry done well brings honor to Christ. Knowing that God has called us to be workers in the kingdom. Not just to be pew warmers. Not just to sit on the sideline. Not just to simply observe. But to participate. He calls them not only... A brother, a fellow worker, but he calls him a fellow soldier. He says, he is my fellow soldier. Perhaps Paul was thinking of the Praetorian guard who were soldiers and how they worked together in harmony. And perhaps he was thinking of the Roman army who would lock shields together And they would move forward like a giant wall in a battle. He was saying, we are to lock shields together. We are to be soldiers in the army of Christ. We're in a spiritual battle. The enemy is trying to break up homes. And we need to be praying for families. The enemy is trying to break down the morals of our nation. And we need to be uplifting God's standard of morality in our nation. The enemy is trying to put people in confusion and despair and destroy their lives. We need to bring the good news of the gospel, holding forth the word of truth. We're in a battle. We're in spiritual warfare. Paul the Apostle says, here are the titles of my brother. He is a brother. He is a fellow worker. He is a soldier in the army of God. And then also... Notice what the text says in verse 25. He is a messenger, a minister. That word messenger in the Greek is apostolos. That was someone who was sent. He wasn't an apostle in the sense that Paul was an apostle. One who especially witnessed and had a special role as an overseer. No, he was someone that the church sent. And he was this messenger that came with this message of encouragement to Paul and with this uh, gift to help Paul out financially. And he was his minister. It it reminds me of the British Army. In the British Army, back in the First World War and in, I guess, the Second World War, they used to have men and women who would minister to the officers. They were called Batman and Batwoman. Batwoman. That was the phrase that they used. And these people were especially used to minister to the officers. They would meet their needs. They would help them. Here was someone who was called by God to stand alongside of Paul and minister to his needs. I'm so grateful for the people that God has raised up in our church, men and women who've come alongside of myself, who've come alongside of other pastors and who strengthen our hand in the work of the Lord. There are people that I know I could call on to pray, to fast, who will really turn their heart towards the Lord. And we need people who are ministering to the ministers, ministering to those in leadership. And Paul lifts him up and says, He was your messenger and minister. But I want you to see that you could be in the center of God's will doing everything God wants you to do. Be honored by God and yet be struggling. Look at verse 27 and 23 because we see the difficulties he encounters. The difficulties he encounters. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. Epaphroditus almost died. He had a deadly disease, but God had mercy on him. Now he's in the center of God's will, doing God's work, running after God, and Epaphroditus becomes physically ill. I want you to think about that. Paul the Apostle, in the book of Acts, Chapter 19, I want to read some verses in chapter 19 of Acts. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even his handkerchief and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and evil spirits left them. Why didn't Paul just take out an old handkerchief? An old apron? And just place it on this man? Why didn't he do that? God doesn't always work the same way. God doesn't always move in the same way at different times. There, Ephroditus was sick. He was ill. He had taken a long journey of 800 miles from Philippi to Rome. There had... Rome, he somehow contracted some sickness or maybe on the way there he became ill. And that illness took him to death's door. And Paul says, the mercy of God. The mercy of God. It wasn't something that Ephroditus earned. It wasn't something that he deserved. But God in his mercy reached down and healed him. We have to be real careful as Christians that we don't suddenly demand of God, God, you do it my way. God, I demand that you do this. Paul said it was a mercy, something we didn't deserve, something in God's providential grace he gave and he did. Don't judge a person by what they go through. Don't look at another Christian and think, Oh, they're suffering in business because they're not a good Christian. Or they're suffering in their body because they're not a good Christian. Or they're going through this in their marriage because they're not a good Christian. Don't, don't do that. Let God evaluate his children. Don't put yourself in the place of God. They're this man of honor who God was using, who was selfless, who is actually risking his life for the cause of God, comes into a trial. And so don't always judge on mere appearance. But he also has a difficult decision to make. There's a difficult illness that he faced, but there was a difficult decision uh, that he had to make. In the text it says, Needs Timothy with him. He needs Ephroditus with him. He needs these men because they're ministering to his need. But Paul is practicing what he said in Philippians chapter 2. Don't think only about your own need, but think about the needs of others. Don't only be concerned with your own concerns, but be concerned with the concerns that other people have. Uh, This is what the life of Jesus is all about. Sometimes we're so captured and captivated by our own pain that we forget anybody's pain around us. This man wasn't like that. He was thinking about them, praying for him, worrying about them, worrying about him. Because they're back there maybe fasting and praying and He's recovered, and communication then was not like today. If you want to communicate today, all you have to do is email a manuscript. You know, Paul didn't have email back then. It would have taken a long time to get this manuscript of the book of Philippians, at least six weeks to travel at 800 miles, and that's if the weather was good and the travel conditions were good. He couldn't pick up a cell phone. You know, we could communicate with people around the world. Just pick up our cell phone and talk to them or immediately send an email or communicate on the computer. But back then, it was far different. And back then, too, when a person had a serious illness, they weren't expected generally to recover. Today, a person gets a bad diagnosis, and we have hope for recovery. I'm grateful for the society and the time that we live in. But back then, when you came down the death's door, that door was surely going to open. In most cases, it did. But here, God intervened supernaturally. And he's healed, and he's concerned about people still praying for him, worried about him, concerned about him. That's manifesting a Christ-like life. A Christ-like life cares about other people, thinks about their needs, is not caught up with themselves, puts others' needs before even their own needs. And that's what they're doing at this point. They're putting the needs of others before their own, and they make this very difficult decision. They said, I'm going to send them back to the Philippian church. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 3-4, to four, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not to your own interests, but also on the interest of others. We look at the next movement in this text, and you see the appropriate reception of a man of honor. Verses twenty nine to thirty. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honor men like him because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help you could not give him. Right then and there, Paul the Apostle doesn't want any whispers in that congregation. Ah, why did he quit? He couldn't finish um, the mission that we sent him on to help Paul. Whispers that would have somehow undermined this servant of the Lord. And so Epaphroditus at that moment is encouraged by Paul and Paul says to the congregation, receive Epaphroditus with a warm welcome, with joy in the Lord. How many times do we rejoice over other people's victories in Christ, over their service to the kingdom and acknowledge what they've accomplished for the Lord? And it can be those small areas, those secret areas, those areas that are not publicized most, but are behind the scenes. And there, Aphrodite is, is going to receive a warm welcome. They're going to say, welcome. It's good to see you. We're so glad that God answered our prayers. We're so glad that God spared you. He says, rejoice in the Lord. Everything that Paul does, And everything that Christians do, Paul is saying, you do it in the Lord. This whole life that we live is in Christ. We live in the Lord. We serve in God. Our life is centered in Jesus. Not in the world, not in the flesh, but it's in the Lord. And here, they said rejoice. Receive him with joy. How many times do we sit back and we thank God for people? Thank God for people who have prayed for us. Thank God for people who have helped us. Thank God for people who have strengthened us all along the journey. Thanking God simply for those who have blessed us on the way and rejoice for what they've done even for others. Now, notice what the text also says. Receive him with honor. Honor men like him. Receive him in the Lord with honor. In the world, the bottom line is is success, accomplishment. No matter how you got there, no matter who you stepped on to get there, no matter how maybe you lied or did the wrong things, all we want to know is, what's the persona? Not so. Not so with God. God has a different rule for measuring our lives. That rule is the life of Jesus Christ. He will not measure you by the same measurements that they have in the Hall of Fames around our country for various athletes. He will measure our lives by Christ's life. Jesus, who humbled himself, who took upon himself the form of a servant, who willingly gave of himself, let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus, The mind of Christ, the attitude of Christ. That's God's measuring stick for us. That's how God's going to evaluate us. The world system is far different. The people we honor and the way we honor people tells us a lot about ourselves. It tells us what we really value. It tells us what we really hold dear and Paul said, when you can mark out a brother and you could see a Christ-like life and you honor that sacrificial life, you're really reflecting the heart of God because that's the type of people that God honors. That's the type of people that God will honor. I'm amazed when I read this text because it says, because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help you couldn't give. He represented that church. He was willing to risk his life. You know, people are willing to risk their life for all sorts of crazy things today. You know, the extreme sports that they have? And uh, I was just reading about some of those things, uh, those skyboarding, you know, and, and all the people that recently, or a number of people that recently died, and people write about them and consider them heroes, and, and they honor them. And I think, what are they honoring people for doing stupid things like that? Now, I don't want to upset anybody, you know what I mean? But these extreme sports, is crazy stuff. But I think of men like Derek Bonhoeffner, who came to the United States and who was fighting the Nazis and and Hitler's rule and reign in Germany and the church was protesting, at least a segment of the church that he was involved in. And he came to America and they asked him to stay and he said he couldn't because he knew the church needed him back in Germany and he knew that would mean certain death And there he gave his life for the cause of Christ. He risked his life for the work of the Lord. What are we risking our lives for? What are we spending our lives on? What are we willing to give our lives to? It should be the work of God, the kingdom of God. I want to make a plea to you from the depths of my heart that you would start serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Do something for the kingdom of God. Don't spend your life on something that's soon going to end that has no purpose and no meaning past this present life. Spend it on something that really means something. Something that will last for eternity. God never makes a mistake in his word. He pictures this man and he holds him up in his hall of fame. And he says, here's a model of a man that's worthy of honor. And for you and for me, God's not going to look at our public persona. He's going to look at how we lived our Christian life. If we've lived like Jesus lived, if we were willing to serve sacrificially, living not for self, but for Christ.
0: Commonly called the Book of Joy, Philippians is a powerful book to Christians. This book exhorts us to have joy in the midst of trying times, to be united as Christians by our head, Jesus Christ, and to be people with testimonies in our communities, That are known to be honorable. Each day here on Voice of Faith, Pastor Ed will be teaching verse by verse through the book of Philippians. This 19-part series will certainly encourage you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Perhaps today's message sparked a thought in your mind, an area in your walk with Jesus where you need to grow? We encourage you to download today's message again to review... Simply log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and select today's date from the Voice of Faith media player. Again, that's voiceoffaithradio.com. Now, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. We invite you to join us as Pastor Ed continues teaching through the book of Philippians right here on Voice of Faith.